the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This says if you follow me, you might be going through some tribulation right now. Hey, I got news for you. It's going to get worse. But what I want you to know is that you do not need to be afraid about what the future holds. I want you to know that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I want you to know that I am still on the throne. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, Last week, we started a new series called The Seven Churches of Revelation. I want to show you a little map of where we are, uh, just to put everything in context. Uh, That little island out there is the island of Patmos. That's where John, who's writing this, he's been banished uh, because of persecution. He's on an island, and God gives him the whole book of Revelation was written to these seven churches. The first church was Ephesus, major seaport there in the Aegean Sea. We're going up the coast. It's the next closest church. We're going to look at Smyrna. And Smyrna, we're going to call it the crushed church, the suffering church. And uh, I know this is silly, but just in your mind, distance-wise, it's kind of like John is out on the island of Catalina, and he wrote a letter to the church in Los Angeles, that's Ephesus, and this week he's writing to the church up there in Santa Barbara. So that's kind of what it's like distance-wise, because Smyrna is a beautiful city, 35 miles north of Ephesus. It is a Greek city, Uh, had many temples, it's kind of what it's known for, are temples of all kinds of false gods, including a temple to the god Zeus. It was a wealthy city. It also had a theater that seated 20,000 people. If you look for it today on a modern-day map, Smyrna is modern-day Izmir. 
which I believe is the second largest city in all of Turkey uh, today. It became the pride of the Roman Empire uh, during this time. They actually had a temple built in Smyrna dedicated to Rome. They also had another temple built to a man named Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar was the Caesar when Jesus Christ was born. So what you need to know about Smyrna is a beautiful, wealthy city, had many temples dedicated to many false gods, to Greek gods, to Roman gods, and to pagan gods. So you should be able to understand that any religion like Christianity that shows up proclaiming that there's only one true God, you could understand how that type of church would get a lot of pushback uh, and a lot of people upset. And who's that getting upset? It's all the people following all those other false gods. Now with that in mind, let's look at verse 8. It begins, to the angel of the church of Smyrna write these words, these are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and who came to life again. So the question is, who is the Alpha and the Omega? Who is the beginning and the end? Who is the first and the last? Who was it that died but came to life again? Who is that? Jesus. So what you need to know is that these are Jesus' words to this church and to our church. Can you say amen? Now John, who's actually writing on parchment, this is very interesting. He was one of Jesus' original disciples right? He was there when Jesus was at Calvary. John was there when Jesus was hanging on a tree between two thieves, a cross. John was there with Jesus's mother. John actually saw the blood flowing from our Savior's body. John saw the nails driven through his hands and his feet. John was there and saw the look of defeat. John was there when Jesus uttered his last words, and John was there when Jesus died, and John was there when Jesus was buried. But here in verse 8, he paints a different picture because what Jesus wants the readers of Smyrna to know and what Jesus wants us to know, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, I was buried, but now I'm alive. What he wants us to know is that he is still alive. You know, the Bible uh, declares Jesus to be many things. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. Jesus said himself, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. We know that he's the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. We know the Bible declares him to be the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. We know for a fact that Jesus was the lion from the tribe of Judah. But here in verse 8, he says to this church in Smyrna, I want you to know that I am the first, and I'll be here at the end. I am the Alpha, I'm the Omega. I am the one who conquered the grave. I conquered death. I conquered hell. My name is Jesus. I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. I am the Lord of all lords, and I'm the King of all kings. That's what he wants them to know. And then the Bible says, if you, I want you to write this down. The one who sees all, the one who knows all, the one who conquers all, he sees the church at Smyrna. 
and he sees a church in tribulation. He sees a church in trouble, in distress. Look at verse 9. He says, I know your afflictions. Everybody say afflictions. Uh, That's the NIV. Your your version might say, I know your sufferings. I, I know your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews. They're not Jews, but they say they're Jews. And there are three things going on here in verse 9. The first thing is persecution. They're being persecuted. This church is under great uh, duress. They're persecuted for their faith. They are poverty-stricken. They've lost everything, which is often the case with people who are persecuted. And the third thing that's going on is they're being profaned. Persecution, poverty-stricken, profaned. Now, you have to remember this one truth, or none of this really makes any sense. At this time, 95, 96, when he writes this, Rome is in charge of the entire world. Rome began 31 B.C., before Christ, when Augustus Caesar became the first emperor of Rome. And Roman rule lasted for over 400 years. It was the most extensive political and social structure the world had ever known. So it began 31 BC, but here we are 100 years later, plus in 95, 96, when John is writing these words to Smyrna, Smyrna is under Roman rule. We know for a fact, going back over those three things, that they were being persecuted. The word for afflictions in the Greek is the word philipsis. I want you to try to say the word philipsis. Say it. Philipsis. Philipsis is a Greek word that means to be crushed. And if you have your notes, circle the word crushed. If I gave you an analogy, you're walking down a street and there's an avalanche and a boulder about the size of your car comes down the hill and literally rolls over you and makes you flat like a pancake. That is philipsis. Philipsis is serious persecution. It's intense, intense pressure. Now, what I want you to do, I know you live here and you go to Shepherd Church, but I want you to go back in time and put yourself in the church in 95, 96 AD when, when John writes these words to the church of Smyrna. I want you to imagine you are a church, uh, the gospel has not been around that long, and uh, you're in this city and you're trying to be a New Testament Christian church. Here's your doctrine. Acts 4.12 is the only doctrine you know. Uh, these are the words uh, in the Bible. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's your doctrine of your church. And you live in a city that's full of idols. You live in a city full of temples. You live in a, a city uh, full of uh, people who worship false gods. You also live underneath Roman rule, who, who they themselves believe that Caesar himself was the son of God. And once a year, just because, you know, Rome, they were growing and uh, conquering new lands, they had this little rule, because they were all kinds of gods, they had this one little rule that once a year, that every citizen of Rome, you had to take a pinch of incense and throw it into the fire, and you had to say these words, Caesar is Lord. You know, just because of all the pagan gods, it's okay, but we want to make sure you understand that Caesar is Lord. But the Christians who lived in Smyrna refused to say those words. And if you refuse, your life could be demanded of you. 
Persecution began by a man named Nero in the year 64 A.D. Now, no one names their kid Nero today because Nero was the one who began really, he was one of the early originators of persecution of Christians. In fact, as the leader of Rome, anytime anything went wrong in Rome, famine, earthquake, pestilence, he would always blame the Christians. He would always say that the Roman gods are angry at the Christians. Nero once ordered Rome to be burned to the ground, and the fire lasted over a week. Millions lost their homes, tens of thousands of people were burned alive, and Nero blamed it on the Christians. So you can imagine the citizens of Rome, the emperor blamed it on the Christians. The entire city was upset with Christians. So by by the time you get to Smyrna in 95-96, Christians have been being persecuted for almost 30 years. Then you come down to verse 10. Verse 10 is unbelievable. Not only are they suffering philipsis, not only are they being persecuted, he tells them in verse 10, it's going to continue. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you that the devil himself will put some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for how many days? for 10 days. Now, this is the book of Revelation. We've studied through this before. It's a book written in Apocrypha, which is a coded language. All these numbers stand for symbols. We do not believe that when he said 10 days, that that was 10 24-hour periods of time. We do believe that they were, what he was saying is that you're going to suffer for 10 periods of time, 10 different periods of times of persecution. And we do know that there were at least 10 different Caesars who brought persecution upon Christians who lived in Rome. I want you to write this next date down. We know that persecution ended uh, in Rome in the year 312 when Constantine put an end to it. And so from 64 AD to 312 AD, believers in Christ suffered persecution in Rome. So much for the doctrine that says if you follow Jesus, you won't have any problems. Because this is Jesus in verse 8, telling them in verse 9, I've seen your affliction. He tells them in verse 10, it's only going to get worse. And it did. According to Fox's Book of Martyrs, some 5 million Christians died for Christ during this particular time in history, brutally slaughtered and destroyed by the Roman Empire. Think about that. 5 million Christians were killed. I could give you many illustrations. I'll give you two. One is a man by the name of Ignatius. Everybody say Ignatius. Ignatius was the second pastor of the church in Antioch in the book of Acts. He, Ignatius, was sent to Rome to be fed to the lions. His sin, he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord. And he stands in the center of the Roman Colosseum. The famished lions were released. Some 60,000 spectators rise to their feet and they shout in jubilee as the lions come and literally destroy Ignatius. Historians tell us that when the lions were through with Ignatius, they could only find two of his bones out of his entire body. Only two bones remained on the floor of the Colosseum. There was a woman named Perpetua. She was a beautiful young mother. She had an infant child. She was 22 years of age. 
She would not sacrifice to pagan gods. All she had to do to save her own life, all she had to do to save the life of her child was to take a pinch of incense and throw it into the fire and say the words, Caesar is Lord, but she refused to do so. So they took her to a Roman amphitheater in Carthage, which is in northern Africa. They stripped her naked. They put her inside a cargo net, and they hung her about two feet off the ground. And they swung her, and she was going back and forth naked inside this net, and they released a wild bull that had horns that had been tipped in brass that charged towards her and plundered his horns into her again and again and again. People lived under persecution in those days. And because of that, they also lived under extreme poverty. And the word poverty in your notes, it literally means that they had nothing. You see, the Romans oftentimes would come to you, and if you were a Christian, they would just take everything you had. But that's what was happening in in Smyrna. They were crushed by persecution. They were crushed by poverty. And number three, they were crushed by slander or profanity by people of other faith. Verse 9 says that there were people who claimed to be Jews who kept heaping insults. And there's always other religious groups that will always heap insults upon Christians because we claim that we follow the one true God. And that's what was happening in this church. 2 Timothy 3.12 says it's a fact that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, what I want you to do is take your eyeballs, go back up and look at verse 9. There's only four verses. Look at verse 9. What are the first two words of verse 9? The first two words. I know. I know. Now, who's writing this? Who's saying, who's speaking these words? Jesus is saying, I know. I know. I know what you're going through. I know your afflictions. I know your you're living in poverty, that you've lost everything. I, I know that you're being persecuted. And, I, and what he wants them to know is, I hear your sobs. I hear them in the middle of the night. I feel your heartache. I feel your pain. And Jesus says this, I see the tears. I know of your suffering. I know you're hurting. But he also says, I just want to tell you, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Then he says, point number two, I want you to know something. Even though you're facing tribulation, you are a treasure. He says in verse 9, I know your afflictions. I know your thalipsis. I know you're being crushed. I know you've lost everything. Yet you are, what's he say? You're rich. I know this might not make sense to some of you sitting out here, uh, primarily because you're just a, a new believer in the faith, but the genuine riches of a church have nothing to do with the size of the building. The genuine riches of a church have nothing to do with whether or not it has uh, cushioned seats or not. The, the genuine riches of a church ha- has nothing to do with are the members of the church well-dressed. Is the preacher scholarly when he preaches? You see, Laodicea, which we'll find out later, it had all of those things, but it made God sick. Here's a church, Smyrna, who didn't have anything. They lived in poverty because when they named Jesus as the Lord, the government came in and took everything from them. 
Yet God says, you're rich. How can that be? How can they be rich when they've lost everything this world holds dear? Because they had what money can't buy. They were rich because they had never, ever compromised their faith. They knew in their hearts that they had never said those words, Caesar is Lord, and they were rich because of it. They knew that their minds, their minds, their hearts had always been fixed on the one true God. They knew that everything in this life was fleeting because they had lost it all. They knew that they had treasures laid up in heaven because they'd given all. They knew if they died that they would be immediately ushered into the presence of Jesus, and that's why they were rich. Do you want to know how rich you are? Do you want to know what your net worth is? Just add up everything that you have that money can't buy, and you'll know how rich you are. The forgiveness of your sins, how much is that worth to you? What's it worth to know that all of your sins that you've ever committed have been completely forgiven? What is that worth to you? How about the assurance of salvation? What is that worth to you? Knowing that if you died, you'd go, what is that worth? What is it worth that you have a Bible in your language that you can have and bring because of the freedoms in America that contain the very words of God in book form? You have that, and some of you still don't even bring it with you. You're so rich, you don't need to bring it. Do you know how sacred this is and what some people in the world who do not have God's word in their language, do you, know, do, you know, do you have any idea what this book is worth? Just this book. Oh, you wouldn't leave it at home. You wouldn't leave it in your car. Because what if someone broke in and stole it? It's priceless. Your family, how much is your wife, your husband, your child, what are they worth? What's it worth to belong to a church Uh, filled with other Christians, and you live in the country that has freedom, the United States of America, what is that worth to you? How sad for a man to have his pockets filled with silver and gold, yet be a pauper in the sight of an almighty God. Smyrna was full of tribulation, but they they were rich. But number three, write this down, they were triumphant. Triumphant. Oh, don't lose this. He says in verse 10, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the what? The crown of life. Oh, this does not say if you follow Jesus, you won't have any problems. It does not say if you follow Jesus, uh, I will fix all your problems. This says just the opposite of this. This says if you follow me, you might be going through some tribulation right now. Hey, I got news for you. It's going to get worse. But what I want you to know is that you do not need to be afraid about what the future holds. I want you to know that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I want you to know that I am still on the throne. And when the world, when the world powers come and go, I will still be on my throne. And when presidents and governments come and go, I will still be on my throne. And when Rome comes and goes, I will still be on my throne. And when death and the grave come your way, hey, guess what? I will still be on my throne. 
We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel. Or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ. But now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.